0: today, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through to 9. This is going to be our text for today as uh, uh, as we continue on our series, as well as a heads up. Uh, how many of you were here last week and for the beginning of this series? Just show hands, beginning of hands. Okay, cool, awesome. Did you get something out of it last week? Was it helpful? All right, good. Well, we're going to continue on. For those of you who are guests with us or have maybe been around in a while, um, we began a new series last week called You Are Here. Uh, this is going to be a study in First and Second Peter, and it's going to take us the better part of a year. Uh, to get through uh, this series. And so we're in for the long haul. So hopefully you brought Bibles and notebooks, fresh notebooks, fresh and clean uh, notebooks. But First uh, Peter chapter three, uh, first, excuse me, First Peter chapter one, verses three through to nine. This is gonna be our text for today, as well as a heads up, as we're gonna stay in this portion of scripture uh, over the next few weeks, as there's some really rich and meaningful truth in these first few verses. Uh, that we need to understand, as well as it's extremely important for us. This setup that Peter is going to write is extremely important for us as we progress further into his letters because there's so much goodness here. Sound good? All right, sound good? All right. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through to 9, and it says this. And if you uh, don't have your Bible today, it's going to be on this screen and the side screens. Come on. Can we put our hands together for our team, our worship team, our tech team? These guys have been working tirelessly. Come on. Things are getting locked in and, uh, oh man, we're just excited. All right. First Peter chapter one, verse three says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Come on, someone shout living hope. Come on, someone shout living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary. I love the way Peter throws this in here. He's like just a heads up, but watch what he says. He says, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various ways. That's his way of softening it for us so that the proven character of your faith more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise and glory. This is what our suffering, we're gonna talk about this next week actually, like why we go through suffering, why we go through trials, it's actually gonna be one of the happiest messages that we do in this series. But he said that your suffering being refined by fire may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you've not seen him, you love him, Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving, here it is, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Today, as we continue on in our series, You Are Here, I want to speak to you from the subject, It's Alive. It's Alive. I should have did this in October, but we're doing it now. It's Alive. As we look at what the Bible calls and what Peter calls living Hope that we have in and through Jesus. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, and it has the power to change us from the inside out. And so, God, right now we ask you to do your good work in us. You've prepared all of our lives for this moment today. It's not an accident that we're here, it's not by happenstance. So, God, would you speak to us right now? We need your voice. May your word come alive in these moments this morning, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and the church shouted. And the church shouted, "Amen." Um, I've told you guys before that I'm a avid fly fisherman. I love fly fishing. Um, it's why I'm wearing a short sleeve today, um, because I am trying to ro- I'm trying to rain in spring already. Sorry for you winter people, um, but uh, after ten years of living here, come on, if I can get a witness in church today, after ten years of living here, I've decided. I hate winter. Okay, so, um, uh, does anybody with me? Like, just, okay, you're not my career. You're all going skiing after this. Okay. um, Stop it. I I don't know what it is. I'm not, like, it gets colder and colder and colder as the years go on or as I age. It gets colder and colder and colder. And so I like the sun more and more and more. But uh, the summer activities, spring, fly fishing, I love it. I get into it. It's my jam. And uh, so this summer I had the opportunity to go fly fishing on a really big river in Montana, and in doing so, they put you in these little drift boats, and I was with some pastors, and we had the guide in the drift boat, two pastors sitting in there, and we're fishing and, and, uh, and, and making things happen. It was a ton of fun. And so one of the pa- the pastors that was with me, he hooked into a really large fish, uh, and uh, he was reeling it, and the guide was trying to row to keep us stable. And then finally, he was like shouting. and was starting to get frantic, because when I say he hooked into a big fish, it was a big fish. You could tell this guy who had never fly fished really before was trying to figure out how to do this so the guide is trying to help him understand how to reel this fish in at the same time he's trying to tell me not to move so that we don't have any uh, any rocking going on and then at the same time he's trying to paddle to keep a stationary in the middle of this current which was getting really frustrated for him and uh, so he decided in that moment he's like god you need to hold the fish put the pole up here and then he's like i need to drop anchor and i was like we got anchors on this boat so he has this tiny little anchor. It's it's reeled up against the back of the boat. He hits a latch, the anchor goes down and and we're waiting for it because the boat keeps on drifting. And so he had to position the boat into the right place in order for the anchor to work the way that it needed to work so that we could stay stationary in these currents that were moving the boat around a lot so that we could do what it is that we were supposed to do and that's catch some fish. As I was thinking about that moment the other day, and I read this particular verse. I realized that hope's a lot like that. How many of you agree with me right now? There's some currents going on in our world. There's some currents going on in our life. If you, if, if like the minute we wake up in the morning and we get going, how many of you know that there's currents that are happening spiritually and otherwise that want to move us and shift us in our day, right? Like maybe you wake up and, and, and you, you you're Like man, today's gonna be an amazing day. I'm really excited about it. Maybe you even like recite a scripture. Like this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna I'm gonna rejoice in it. And then you walk out the door and you're like, no, nope, no more rejoicing. I want to punch someone. That's that's a curve. It, it, it's pulling. There's all kinds of things happening in our world right now. They're trying. It's trying to pull us and sway us and move us and, and shift us. But I've come to realize that we need an anchor. Come on. Every single one of us need an anchor. See, hope is the necessary ingredient. It's the anchor. For living in the space between now and not yet. We talked about that last week. If heaven is our home, but we are not there yet, there's this space in between. And I've come to realize and I've come to understand that in my life and in your life, come on somebody, we need an anchor during this time. Because if we're not careful between now and not yet, we can drift. Call someone to your neighbor and say, Drift happens. Drift happens. We should make that into a shirt. That'd be fun. You see, life has a tendency to cause drift because the problem that most of us face is the space between now and not yet is a space wrought with all kinds of twists and turns, trials and temptations, setups and setbacks wins and losses, all of these things tend to diminish this hope that we could and should have. In a lengthy discourse by Paul the Apostle, he deals with this issue. Watch what he writes in Second Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read quite a few verses, 7 through 18. You love your Bible this morning? It says this, Now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Now, right there, that's just some heat. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life is in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who has raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving and increase to the glory of God. And then he says this, therefore, come on, Rashad, therefore. Therefore, we do not give. So our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Powerful piece of scripture. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. Hope. And that's really what I want to kind of spend our time dealing with today is this issue of hope. See, it's when we have a measure of hope in our hearts that we can look forward to the future ahead. Yet for many of us, we find ourselves distracted by circumstance, demoralized by situations, and therefore losing this great hope that we have. A hope that we're told in Romans chapter 5 does not disappoint. doesn't disappoint. Come on, show of hands. Like therapy moment. How many of you have been disappointed before? Come on. Almost all, so we're all on the same page here. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter five, that we have a hope in Christ that does not disappoint. Come on, this is good news. So we've got to deal with this hope issue. I wanna take you to one more portion of scripture that creates for us a very specific picture of what hope is. It's found in Hebrews chapter six, 17 through to 19. Lots of Bible, because I wanna make sure that you're not hearing my opinion, but rather what the word says about this issue. Hebrews chapter 6, 17 through to 19, because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of promise, that's you and I. He guarded it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge, exiles, sojourners, strangers, might have strong encouragement. Here it is, to seize the hope before us. And he says this, we have this hope. Here it is, as a what? As a what? As a what? As an anchor for the soul. And then I love what he says just to follow it up. So we're all clear what an anchor is it is firm and it's secure. You see, anchors have a very specific use and design, they're used to hold the object in which it's attached to in place. Ships drop anchor in order to remain stable and secure, to have a type of staying power as they pause in their journey, whether for the night or whether to whether a storm. You you get the picture to rest. Anchors, come on, are important. For a ship caught up in the sea, anchors are important. Hope, the Bible tells us, is an anchor. And it's such a vital and important part of who we are as people of faith and ultimately as humans. In his book, Theology of Hope on the Ground and the Implications of a Christian eschatology, Jürgen Moltmann writes this concerning hope. Listen to what he says: Totally without hope, one cannot live. To live without hope is to cease to live. Hell is hopeless. It's no accident that above the entrance to Dante's hell is the inscription Leave behind all hope, you who enter here. So not just people of faith, but we, we all need hope. Hope is a necessary ingredient to the lives that we are living. Without hope, the current takes us. Without hope, we are shifted. Without hope, we are, we are moving. Some, I've been asked many times, how do you stay like generally positive in the world that we're in right now? It's not because I'm happy-clappy all the time. It's not because I had four Red Bulls and a glass of coffee. Like, that's not it. Some of you are like, really, no? It's not external things that produce joy. It's the hope that I have in Jesus. And even when it's hard, I have hope. Even when the current's pushing, come on, we can have hope. It is an anchor for our soul. However, if we're not careful, there can be a problem with hope. As I've pastored over time, i found a reoccurring pattern of problems concerning hope. And that's what I want to spend the remainder of our time Together, looking at today, is I want to I want to take a look at three issues concerning hope that we need to be aware of if we are to build into our lives true, lasting, and here it is, biblical hope. Can we just uh, stop for a second before we get into these these um, these truths that I want to talk about today? <clears throat> we're talking about biblical hope. So, hope is not good vibes. Come on, it's, it's not good vibes right it's not it's not happy happy feelings Hope is so much more than these these emotive realities that we espouse about it. Hope is something stronger. Hope is something more built. It it, it contains an actual theology to it, a doctrine around. Hope is, is grafted in with the goodness of God. Hope is grafted in with his nature and his character. So when we build hope into our lives and we have hope, it's not just today I have good feelings or today I have good vibes or everything's going well. No, no, no. Actually, my life is being stationed by something bigger, and his name is Jesus, and therefore it doesn't move, it doesn't shift, it doesn't shake, it's an anchor. It's an anchor, that's what hope is. So let's look at at a few problems that I've seen um, in in pattern-wise, as I've pastored and and, and dealt with this, this concept and these truths. Here's the first issue that we have with hope is that we tend to develop insufficient and inadequate hope. We tend to develop insufficient and adequate hope. This is a contents issue, The contain what, what's being contained. Simply put, this is hope in the wrong things. Inadequate and insufficient hope is hope in the wrong things. I read a quote recently that hauntingly stuck out to me and it said this, the vast majority of anchors that you see on the bows of boats in the marina are woefully inadequate. Show of hands, how many of you have been to Bear Lake before? Bear Lake before? Okay, or any lake that has boats, a marina? Come on, show of hands. Okay, M- most of us have, you've seen it in here. And so what's fascinating, I love Bear Lake, we go there every single summer, and you you drive up to the marina, and you'll see all of these boats, and there's some bigger boats, smaller boats, and then you see these little tiny, and even big boats, you see these little tiny anchors hanging off the the bow of the boat. And this is what this author was saying. He was like, listen, these anchors that you see on the front of these boats, they're woefully inadequate. And here's here's the premise behind it. The reason that a lot of these boats, I want you to watch this. The reason that a lot of these boats have inadequate anchors is because they don't believe when they leave that marina, they will find themselves in a storm. And why would you? You're on Bear Lake. Like what's the most that can happen? Like a little foot and a half wave come up on you? Because we compute storms on, on bodies of water to like the things that we see in the ocean, you know what I'm talking about, that take over aircraft carriers, I mean massive waves. We're like, there's no possible way, there's no possible way that a storm is going to flare up on this little, this little lake of mine. So I employ an inadequate anchor. And here's the funny thing is that many of us do life the same way. We leave the marina of life. We set out to, to go out into what God has for us. We set out into that relationship. We set out of the job. And we go, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm invincible. You see who I am? And so our hoe, our anchor is us. And then we are sideswiped when the storm happens. Am I talking to anybody today? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so that's what happens. So a lot of us are sitting in the marina right now. My, my hope today is that we attach a better anchor to the boat of your life today. So that when you leave this marina known as the church and you head back out into the world in which we live, work and play and serve and give and do everything that we do, the storm can come, the waves can come, the winds can come, the rain can come, and you can be anchored in the midst of your storm because you have the right anchor. Here's the problem. For many of us, we're employing the wrong anchor. We're the anchor. She or he's the anchor. Our kids become the anchor. Our spouse becomes the anchor. Our job, our money, our clothes, our looks. Come on. Our addictions. Our intellect, our influence, or our Instagram is a horrible anchor, by the way. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? We employ these anchors and they're insufficient at best. In other words, Jesus is the only one that we can actually put our hope in. Another person put it like this. When people tell you there's no hope, it just means that they've lost theirs. It's a sad statement, but a true statement, and many of us can agree and not only agree, but identify that w- with that statement as well. To live a hopeless life is usually because we've placed our hope in that which is insufficient for our lives because what we have put our hope in is something or someone that does not contain the power, the ability, the character, and the strength to be our hope. And can I just tell you, you will not find one thing that has those things intact to be able to anchor in. This is Peter's point. As we just read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. He said, Blessed be God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy. That's why we can put our hope in him. He has given us, uh, He's given us new birth, that's why we put our hope in Him into a living hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith. These are all the reasons why Jesus is our hope. These are all the reasons why we put our hope in Jesus. am I talking to anybody today. In other words, there is a promise that we have received from God, and that promise lived among us and was given to us as a gift. Jesus, he lived, he died, he rose again so that we might have hope, and not just hope, a living hope. Because our hope, come on somebody, it's alive. It's alive. A hope that secures eternity for us. A hope that gives us grace and forgiveness. A hope that says, in the midst of storms, that you can trust and know that I am sure and steadfast. Talk about that in a moment. He is our fully adequate hope. Adequate. You ever looked at this definition before? What does it mean for something to be adequate? Watch, watch this. It means, this is the definition satisfactory or acceptable in quality or quantity. I love that. In Christ, our hope is full, it's satisfactory. It's completely filled. When my hope is me, when my hope is my job, can I tell you that this church is not my hope? My leadership is not my hope. This team is not my hope. My wife is not my hope. She's been gone for a couple days, so I learned that quick. When I'm dealing with three kids on my own, my hope is only in Jesus. Come on, somebody. (laughs) My kids, I've had them since Thursday with me, and my son keeps on asking me. He's like, Dad, are you preaching this weekend? Are you preaching this weekend? I'm like, yes, why? He's like, because mom's gone. I was like, so? He's like, are you going to be okay? Okay. I'm like, now, well, now that I think about it, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be okay at all. Maybe if you're watching, come home, quick. Two out of three of them are okay. <laughs> so our hope, what I'm trying to position for us is that our hope, first and foremost, that in Jesus, it becomes, it's fully adequate. All right? But the problem that most of us face is that we tend to develop insufficient or inadequate hope. Here's the the second truth I want us to hear today, is that we tend to develop unstable and unreliable hope. This is a foundation issue. So the first one is about content, right? That our hope is Jesus because of who he is and what he is. It's, It's content. He's our risen savior, our living God. But the second one, we tend to develop unstable and unreliable hope. This is a foundation issue. Understanding where we place our hope is a very important reality as it will determine how we are set in place. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 11 says this, Paul the Apostle is being very clear about this. And he says, for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. So we have a contents issue, what Jesus is, who he is. And then we have a foundation issue, what he is in terms of what we place on top of him. And no other foundation can be laid except for Jesus. But how many of you would agree with me? We tend to lay other foundations in our lives. So it looks like this: if you wanna try to get the equation going, Christ is our hope. That was our first idea. And second, he is the foundation in which that hope should be placed upon. I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert. Let's get to the end of the message really quick. Jesus is everything. Now we'll work backwards. So we put our hope in Jesus, we put our hope on Jesus and then we'll talk about one more in the third point, but I want you to kind of see where we're going. So you may be asking yourself right now so like let me let me understand this. You're going to you're going to talk about Jesus this entire service. Yes. Because if you came in here to have your hope placed on or in or around or through anything else, I just need to let you know that it will not work. But when Jesus is everything, when he is the beginning of our message and the end of our message, our life is in a strong position. The foundation of our hope needs to be sure and steadfast. Jesus is the only thing that is sure and steadfast. Well, that's a really big statement, Jason. The only thing. Well, what about the economy? What about politics? No. What about friends and family? And no, no. What about resource and fun? No. What about popularity and prestige? No. is the only thing that is sure and steadfast. Matthew chapter 7, 24 through to 29 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You gotta say it when you say the rock, you just gotta say it's sure, the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. How many of you have felt pounded over these past few years? (laughs) just one thing after another after another. Yet it, here it is, yet it didn't collapse. Isn't that cool? It it didn't collapse. Why? Because it was a good looking house? No. Because it had the the best? No. It had all all of the right things were used to build the house? No, that's not what it says. Why didn't it collapse? Because its foundation was on the But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed, and and, and now Jesus is going to help us with some imagery, understand what type of collapse it was. And it collapsed with a great crash. I find it interesting that Jesus is quite savage at times when he wants to make sure that he drives a point home. He's like, he he could have stopped it, like, just so y'all know, like the people that built on sand, it it collapsed. It it, It just collapsed. But he said, no, no, it didn't just collapse. It collapsed with a great crash. Total dumpster fire. Boom, gone. A great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. I wanna ask this question today, what is the foundation that our hope is resting upon? What is your foundation that your hope is resting upon? See, we as people tend towards making all kinds of things other than Jesus, the foundation that our hope rests upon. So we end up creating some sort of Frankenstein hope. There's a little creative tie to it's alive, just so you know. Occasionally, I'll put things in my message just to geek me out about it. I was like, I did it. Um, <laughs> so we tend to create what I call Frankenstein hope. We, we attach all these things together, so then you have hope walking around like this. You're like, what is that? We're like, I don't know, but I hope it holds together. Then the storm comes, and it collapses with a great crash. Come on, someone shout hope. Come on, someone turn to your neighbor and say, we're talking about hope. See, we tend to rest our hope on the foundation of politics, family, friends, relationships, marriages, kids, money, material items, job security, prestige, position, education, health, wellness, none of these necessarily bad, but still all the same insufficient as a foundation. So what it looks like is that we believe in Jesus, we put our hope in him, but then we place him on a different foundation. And when we do this, we find ourselves facing a few different situations. Here's the first thing that we face when we put Jesus on the wrong foundation, when we we put our hope in Jesus, but then we don't make him our foundation as well, is that we face idolization. This is one of the greatest issues in the human heart, to idolize something or someone is simply to give it or them greater position in our heart and mind and value system than anything else. Here's the problem that we've seen in this culture is when we place Jesus on a foundation other than himself. And we can fill in the blanks on what we have done. It's getting quiet in church today. So here's what we do is we take Jesus and we go, okay, Jesus, my my hope is in you. But what I wanna do now is I need something stronger than you So instead of putting you on the foundation of you, I'm going to take my hope that's in Jesus and I'm going to rest it on my money. Let's push it a little bit further. I'm going to rest it on my politics. Don't don't get quiet on me, church. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to rest it on my job. This is why we watch people who believe in Jesus lose their mind when their foundation is shifted. This is what starts to proof it in us. Here's the question. Can you lose everything and still stand? Do you guess where I'm going with this? Like I said, we're going to teach a little bit more than preach in the series, but I, I need us to see this because at the end of the day, this is the problem that a lot of us are facing is we're, we're kind of duped because like, well, my hope is in Jesus. So that's full. That's good. But then we rest Jesus on other things that are not capable. And you see this stacking pattern throughout scripture. And the way to test that is start to shake what's there. Can you stand when it's all taken away? Can I still stand and worship God when everything, these light and momentary afflictions are happening in my life? Can I still stand when the politics aren't working, when the finances aren't working, when the marriage isn't working, when the health isn't working? Can I still stand and worship when everything has lost its way? Is Christ my foundation? Because I'm just convinced that the Bible is true on this issue. So what happens is when we don't do that, we end up idolizing something, but putting our, put our faith in Christ. I believe in him, but then the foundation's wackadoo. The second thing that happens is disillusionment. In other words, you can find yourself disillusioned as we put our stock in a man or a woman, things and systems. Then you come face to face with the reality of who they are. You ever been there before? Can I just say this out loud to, I'm gonna say this in every single one of your services, please, 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 please. Do not put your faith in me. It's all right. We can do more than two classes. Let me say it one more time, please. Some of you are like, "Well, that's weird," but you're you're the leader. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about. You can you can trust me and build trust with me, our leadership team, and the, the systems and the procedures of our church. One hundred percent, I want you to do that. But guess what? I'm still a human being. I'm gonna do my best to exemplify what it means to follow Christ on my knees as your pastor, but your faith should not rest in me, (laughs) okay? Because if I do something stupid, if something happens to me, I hope that this community of faith can continue on because the foundation is Jesus. He's the foundation of our homes. He's the foundation of our hearts. He's the foundation of this house. So we become disillusioned when something happens. The other, the other thing that happens is that we face deception. In other words, if the foundation is anything other than Jesus. You're deceiving yourself. See, everything needs to be anchored in Christ. So I put my hope in him and I put my hope on him. And then here's the third and the last one. The third problem that I've seen is that we tend to develop insecure and irresolute hope. This is a setting issue. In an article I read recently about anchoring bugs, one author writes this, for some reason, very few people actually set their anchor. They just let it out, tie it off, and go below. How do they know that the anchor will hold them? So when I was fly fishing that day, what was interesting is that we kept on drifting until the anchor hit and you could feel it. It was dragging, it was dragging, it was dragging. And then all of a sudden there was this hard pull in the boat, why? Because the anchor set. So I asked our fly fisherman guide, I said, what was that about? He's like, we had to keep on drifting until I knew couldn't pay attention to you guys until I knew that the anchor was set. I found that as a very fascinating concept until the anchor was set. So he employed the right anchor. It was sufficient for the boat. Been signed off on. He dropped it, but he didn't, he didn't pay attention. He didn't just drop it and then get to us fishing. He dropped it and waited, waited. And I watched his focus. His focus was insane. He's waiting, waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden, a hard jerk on the boat because the anchor set. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 13, says this, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish way. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even, even as I have been fully known. And then he says this, it's almost like this just counter to what he's been talking about. He snaps our necks into place, and this is what Paul. Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of them is love. We're going to talk about love later in the series because love's been hijacked in this generation. So we'll get there. Like I said, we've got so much content for this next year, it's going to be absolutely insane. So we're going to get to this love issue, but the greatest of these is love. This is such an important passage of Scripture when it comes to understanding hope because we've discovered that our hope must be in Jesus. We've discovered that our hope needs to be placed on a sure and steadfast foundation who is Jesus And lastly, our anchor must be properly set. And this is what Paul is highlighting for us in 1 Corinthians 13. He's saying that our our hope needs to be anchored in love. It gets set in the love of Christ. The Bible exposition commentary puts it this way. Faith, hope, and love go together, but it is love that energizes faith and hope. In other words, the proper setting of our anchor of hope is when It is set in the love of Christ. So our hope is Jesus. The foundation our hope rests on is Jesus. And the proper setting of our hope is in the love of Jesus. So it would be safe to say then that the greatest hope that we could ever have is Jesus. And it's completely counter to what the world offers. Some of us today are being targeted by these three truths. For some of us, we've not put our hope in Jesus. For some of us, the foundation of our life, the thing that the hope rests on, isn't Jesus. And then for some of us in here, we've never actually experienced the love of Jesus. So we've been drifting and drifting and drifting. And today, I hope we can stop drifting. That day in the river, currents going. That boat, it swayed a little bit. As long as we're in the world, light and momentary affliction, it's gonna sway. But guess what we didn't do? We didn't move. We stayed. And my hope for all of us today is that we can walk out of here and we can stay because the anchor of our soul is the hope that we have in Jesus. Content, foundation, and love in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment right now. There's no one looking around. I want to ask you a question today. Where are you at with Jesus? For some of you, maybe you're stepping into a place like this for the first time. And you're like, man, this is—I've never been in a moment like this. I've never been in a place like this before. And as we've wandered through this message as we've worshiped, there's a truth that's now shouting really loud in your ears and in your heart, and that's the truth of Jesus. So I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him today. And not just say yes to him, but make the decision to follow him today. To make him everything in your life. So with every head bowed and every eye ever closed and no one looking around, I want to invite you, all of us, to pray this prayer together so we don't leave anybody out, but especially those of us today who are saying, you know what, I need to put my hope in Jesus and on Jesus and in the love of Jesus. So come on, as loud as we can, would you just repeat this prayer for me, all of us together, but he said, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. i giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me. Change me. Make me new, and I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. I'm not just saying yes to you, but today I'm declaring that I will follow you no matter what comes my way in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and no one looking around right now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning and you're saying yes following jesus come on would you just lift your hand right now i just want to know that you're with us today is there anybody in here today right over here thank you man come on anybody else today that would say this is my moment i'm saying yes to jesus i want to follow him i want to give him everything that i am so great come on can we lift our head and open our eyes can we just celebrate all those that are saying yes to jesus for the first time come on of you who prayed that prayer for the first time today, lift your hand today. I just want to encourage you, as this service dismisses in just one moment, as you walk out in our lobby, you'll find a, a big sign hanging above. It says, Next Steps, so and there's some tables right there, and uh, we've got some amazing people that just want to hang out for a few minutes. They want to put this Bible into your hand. This is the, the, the road map to all things faith. When we follow Jesus, the most important thing that we can have employed in our life is this word right here, and so I want to encourage you, head out into the lobby as well. If you guys need anything else, We've got people out there that want to hang out. They want to pray for you. We've got some of our team in here. We'd love to be able to do that. So come on, why don't you stand to your feet in this moment as we get ready to dismiss. Come on, did you get something today? Did you receive today? Is your heart encouraged today? Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven just one more time. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room today, in this sanctuary, God. I pray that our hearts have been encouraged. I pray that our minds have been enlarged. And as we leave this place today, as we leave the marina, God, I pray that the hope that we have in you would anchor us in storms and in currents, God. So when we go out to where we live, work, and play, God, I pray that every single one of us would experience your joy, your presence, your peace, and your goodness, God. We love you. We honor you. And we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shout it. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We'll see you right back here next weekend.